Listen, we don't always believe it. I don't always believe it, but it's true whether you believe it or not. God works all things together for good. And when we thank him by faith, it frees the Spirit of God up to move. Hello, and welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. We are in a series of special messages that were delivered by Dr. Brogy over the past couple of years. And today, Dr. Brogy will conclude his sermon entitled, Share What You Believe. Pastor Carl helps to provide us with some insight on how we are to perceive the day in which we live and how we are to act as believers by living righteously, standing firm, and being faithful. Please join us in the book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 1, as we continue. Now, Rome at last was a dream come true. Paul had been waiting for years to come to Rome, and what a strategic city, because the saying is true, all roads lead to Rome. So if you reach Rome, you reach potentially a large part of the Roman Empire because people would travel to that. Now, maybe when he envisioned years earlier about going to Rome, he thought he would blitz the synagogues there as he did in town to town on his missionary journeys. Maybe he thought he'd do some open-air evangelism like he did up on top of Mars Hill. But that's not what happens. He arrives here as a prisoner. Proverbs 16 says, A man plans his ways... But God directs his steps. And so when the news is out, believers come 43 miles from the market of Appius, and they come 50 miles from a little town called Three Inns. And the Christians in Rome, for two years, are able to benefit through the ministry of this great apostle. And what happened when they came? Notice, and when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. God encouraged Paul through the people. He thanked God and took courage. And that's why we're not to forsake our assembling together as is the habit of some. But we are to encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day, the return of Christ, which we are seeing the visuals for, drawing near. There's an assumption in the New Testament that you take the initiative to build Christian friendships. The writer of the Hebrews will say, encourage one another day after day as long as it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, there's an assumption that you're not just finding fellowship on Sunday morning, but throughout the week, as long as it's called today, you are involved in the lives of other believers. And so Paul is encouraged, and he is encouraging. Notice the restrictions, though, that he experienced. Verse 16. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. So when he finally gets into the city of a million people in the first century, a wide-open mission field, he is confined to quarters. Julius is long gone. And according to verse 30, for two years, and according to verse 20, he's chained to a guard. Now, we need to remember that circumstances don't always go as we plan for them to go. But it was no mistake that Paul, under the providence of God, was experiencing the circumstances he knew because God had a plan in them, and Paul understood that. He is being restricted. 
under house arrest. In fact, there are four limitations that are brought out in the text, and none of them stop him. He uses them all to his advantage. First, since he cannot go to the people, the people come to him. Look at verse 17. After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews, and when they came together, he began saying to them, brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you. For I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. And you can almost hear the chain rattling as he writes. A chain that Paul says he's wearing, notice, for the sake of the hope of Israel. Paul is saying, listen, I am being incarcerated on behalf of the Messiah, the one whom we have longed for for millennia. For centuries we've been looking and longing and waiting, and he has finally come. And so Paul followed his consistent practice. He would go to the Jew first and then to the Greek. And so he calls these Jews, and normally you'd find those Jews in the synagogue, but under God's providence, he invites them, and they come. They come willingly. Paul's not discouraged. He is not moping and groaning. Look, I'm under house arrest. I'm chained to a guard. No, he's just thinking God must have a different plan. He is adaptable. Second, another limitation, he can't unchain himself. In fact, he uses this as an object lesson in some of the letters that he writes. Remember, he's chained to these guards, and he writes during this time the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, and his letter to Philemon. For instance, in Ephesians 6, he, from this experience, uses this imagery. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. He got that imagery right here. And he makes spiritual parallels. He describes the soldier's belt, which is the belt of truth. He describes the breastplate as the breastplate of righteousness. He describes the Romans' battle sandals as feet prepared for sharing the gospel. He describes the shield as the shield of faith. And he describes the helmet as the hope, the guarantee of our salvation. So instead of grumbling and breaking fellowship with God, he uses these circumstances for the glory of God. And during these two years, he writes the prison epistles, as we call them, along with the letter to Philemon. God does not waste this time. God never wastes any of the so-called negative circumstances we are in. Third, I learned that Paul used his circumstances as an opportunity to reach the praetorian guard. In the book of Philippians, uh, an epistle it's not the major theme, but it's one of the underlying theme. We sometimes call it the epistle of joy. Uh, he describes some of the things that took place during these two years. Listen to these words from Philippians 1. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. These soldiers, they are the official bodyguard for imperial prisoners. They represented the emperor himself. And think about it. What does Paul do? 
He uses this opportunity of being chained every four hours, history tells us, to a new guard to galvanize the church to whom he is writing to be faithful to share their faith. And so he'll go on in Philippians and say, most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. In other words, if if Paul can preach the gospel while under house arrest and chained to a guard, What's my excuse? What have you done with your limitations? Have you ever asked God to take some of the seemingly negative circumstances and turn them for the progress of the gospel? Listen, we don't always believe it. I don't always believe it, but it's true whether you believe it or not. God works all things together for good. And when we thank him by faith, It frees the Spirit of God up to move. Never one word of complaint in this entire chapter. No complaining in Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians or Philemon. I mean, he's got a captive audience. Every four hours, he's got a new prisoner chained to him. What's he telling them about? Jesus. (laughs) The whole praetorian guard had heard the gospel. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of the few Christian pastors in Germany during the Second World War, who stood strong for Christ, who opposed Hitler and his desire to exterminate the Jewish people. The SS troops had imprisoned him. They beat him black and blue. They stripped him. He had whelps all over his body. They took even his wedding band. And he wrote, and I quote, They have taken away everything. They have taken away my hair, my clothing, my family, my belongings, but they cannot take away my Lord from my heart nor make me have an attitude toward them that I don't want to have. That's what Paul was like. He said, I'm not going to succumb to my circumstances. I'm not going to succumb to this house arrest. I'm not going to succumb to this chain. Wherever Paul went, he preached the gospel. If he was in the marketplace, he shared there. If he was in the synagogue, he shared there. If he was in jail or under house arrest, wherever he went, he shared the gospel. Now, there was a fourth limitation that he also adapted to. While he can't alter these false charges that were made against them by the Jews back in Jerusalem that they carried to Caesarea. We just read of that in verses 18 to 20. He can't make those changes, but he can keep sharing Christ. Look at verse 21. They said to him, these Jews, we have neither received letters. Paul thought they had, but they say, no, we've neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad against you. So somewhere between Israel and Rome, the gossip chain of false accusations had broken down. It had dried up. And they're at least open to hear what the apostle has to say. Remember, they're curious. What do you mean? You're in chains for the hope of Israel. Verse 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are for concerning this sect. It is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. While not spoken of negatively by Jews from Israel, Christianity nonetheless is viewed as a sect. And they said everything we hear about this Christianity that Yeshua is the Messiah is negative. It's bad news. It's spoken against everywhere. But again, Paul doesn't succumb to his circumstances. It doesn't slow him down one bit. Look at verse 23. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. 
He's caged, he's chained, he's quarantined. But they come in large numbers. Again, God's never hindered by circumstances. If we are willing to adapt by faith, then God can use us in whatever circumstances we are in. So Paul, he's available in showing Christ. Christ was a servant. Paul demonstrated servanthood. Paul was adaptable in serving Christ. He didn't let the circumstances slow him down one bit. Finally, the apostle Paul was untiring in sharing Christ. He was an untiring individual individual in sharing Christ. We're told here in verse 23, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. Luke tells us he preached from two sources, the law of Moses, the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, and then from the prophets, that was considered the rest. And so the way they would often describe the Tanakh, the Old Testament, was simply the law and the prophets. He couldn't turn to 1 Corinthians or Romans or 2 Corinthians that he had written on the third missionary journey. He couldn't turn to First and 2 Thessalonians that he had written during the second missionary journey. He couldn't turn to Galatians that he had written at the end of the first missionary journey. Why? Because the only books they were interested in was the Old Testament. My wife and I served at Duke University for five years as campus ministers of sorts. She wouldn't call herself a minister, but, you know, she worked with women. And 25% of the campus was Jewish. And, of course, God wanted us to reach the Jews there as much as he did the Gentiles. And some of the Jews, depending on how close they were to practicing Judaism, you couldn't open the New Testament. You couldn't begin with John 3.16. It was either from the law and the prophets, or it wasn't from anything. And Paul spoke, the Scripture says, of the kingdom of God. I mean, the Scripture says he was tireless in this. The text says he preached from morning until evening, and you thought my sermons were long. (laughs) Listen, 20 minutes will not change a life. Sermonettes are for Christianettes. He preached day and night of the kingdom of God, which means he preached about the king, the Lord Jesus. He preached that he is the ruler and the sovereign, and we have all rebelled against the living God with our sin. Today, in pulpits all across America, the social gospel is indeed trying to replace the true gospel, and it's packaged under... Social justice, there's nothing true about social justice as it's being propagated in our day. It's nothing more than communism and socialism. And it's being packaged under the Black Lives Matter movement, and most sharp African Americans recognize, as every God-given child of God recognizes, that black lives do matter, but the Black Lives Matter movement has nothing to do with what the Scripture teaches. Started by three women, one a lesbian, one bisexual, the other a hardcore feminist bisexual. For a long time, they had their beliefs on their homepage. I noticed a few months ago they removed them, but I copy-pasted them all before they were removed. 
But they were just doing the same old thing, the social gospel. Walter Rauschenbusch is called the father of the social gospel. And in the 19th century, he said that the problem with man is the environment we live in. And that Jesus came to change our environment to make life better. And that's the social gospel. That's the good news we are to preach. May I remind you that it has nothing to do with an environment. In a perfect, unfallen environment, Adam and Eve rebelled against the living God. And so our government, we're always looking for solutions. And, you know, we had a war on drugs and a war on poverty and a, and a war on ignorance and now a war on global warning, warming. What we need is a war on sin. That's the answer. We need to be preaching the word of God. And our government is always throwing up its hands, coming up with a new solution. What's the answer? May I, without sounding simplistic, the answer is so simple. It is simply believing and obeying this book. That is the answer. That's what we need. The social gospel does not address the sin problem. It just makes hell a better place potentially to go to from. But when you preach the true gospel... Lives are transformed. The way they look at people totally radically changes. There aren't born-again racists, at least who, haven't, who have matured some. Someone who's a racist isn't born again, or at best they are a baby, 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 baby Christian. By this we know we pass out of death into life. We love the brethren, whatever stripe they may be. So here's Paul, he's preaching the kingdom of God, that you need to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. You see, the social gospel says you need a boost from below. The true gospel says you need a birth from above. And when you are born again, you change kingdoms. You come into a new kingdom. I have no doubt he probably spoke about Christ's encounter with Nicodemus, that you must, you must, you must, three times over, be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And he does it from the law. And I'm sure in the Torah, he probably used those typologies like Abraham up there on top of Mount Moriah, where every single aspect of what happened there was a picture of what Jesus would do, such that Jesus could say, Abraham saw my day. And I'm sure, no doubt, he described the feasts of Israel that God had sanctioned, and how each feast was a picture of the work of the Lord Jesus. And no doubt as he went to the prophets, whether it's Daniel or Jeremiah or Isaiah, whoever it was, Micah, he point by point by point showed how the Lord Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy. And just like today, verse 24 says, some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. The gospel always divides the saved from the lost, the unwilling from the willing, the bankrupt sinner from the self-righteous religious man. Some were persuaded. Others, the text says, would not believe. Some enthroned Jesus as Lord. Others hardened their hearts. What will you do? Some of you listening to me, you've never enthroned Jesus as Lord. And the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. And if you tell God no today, you've only hardened your heart. And so the gospel always divides, verse 25. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken. One parting word. Paul says, wait a minute, don't leave yet. I've got one last thing I want to say to you. The Holy Spirit 
rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand, and you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will also listen. Jesus, by the way, quotes the same text of Scripture in John the 12th chapter. That when God gives you revelation and you say no to it, you say no to God long enough, then just like Pharaoh first hardened his heart, then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And God can harden your heart If you reject Jesus and put him off and off and off, then there will come a time when you cannot hear, where you cannot see, and you cannot believe. This message is just as true today as it was in Paul's day when he preached it. And he stayed two full years. Verse 29, first. When he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, and was welcoming all who came to him. He was not at liberty to go anywhere. They came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus with all openness unhindered. And with that, Luke ends the book. The book starts where it ends. It starts with preaching Jesus. It ends with preaching Jesus and everything in between. People need to hear about Jesus the one who came to seek and to save that which is lost. So how are we going to apply this today? Let me suggest three applications by way of questions. Number one, ask yourself, are you available in showing Christ? Are you available in showing Christ? Remember, the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve. And people will be blown away. As you are a servant, you might be picking up sticks like Paul. You might be picking up the trash on your next door neighbor's lot that someone dumped all over it. You might be driving that sick person to their cancer treatments because they can't drive themselves. You might be listening to someone who is hurting and their life is seemingly falling apart. You may be bringing a meal to a new mother because she has no family nearby. When the interests of others become more important than your own, you're showing Christ. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, that he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He saw others' interests, your interests, mine, as more important than his own. And when you do that, there will be opportunities. Second, are you adaptable in serving Christ? Do you see the circumstances that God brings as an expression of his sovereignty. God works all things together for good, and when we believe that, God gives us a chance. It might be the waitress that my wife and I had who totally messed up everything that day. But by God's grace, he gave us patience and an opportunity to share the gospel with her. It might be the fellow who just stops in front of your house and he's asking for directions. I don't see anything as an accident. Someone who comes on my property or stops in front of my house to talk, I see that as a divine appointment. 
Or it might be some customer rep. Sometimes I've blown it. You know, they've just messed up so bad. But by God's grace this week, I had a customer rep who just, I mean, they had blown it so bad. And this dear fellow was so apologetic and just, oh, man, this is just one of these weeks, just one of these days, and on and on and on. And I said, it's okay. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. On a scale of zero to 100. (laughs) How sure are you that you go to heaven? And it got dead silent on the phone. And you could hear his voice crack. And he began to tell me about his grandfather who had been a preacher. Who had gone on to heaven. And about his grandfather who had been praying for him to become a Christian. And in the providence of God, by God's grace, I believe I was an answer to his grandfather's prayer. Third and finally, are you untiring in sharing Christ? I think by now you, wrote the, you understand that Luke wrote the book of Acts not just to give us a historical record. He wrote it to encourage us to be faithful, not to quit. And when you are faithful and untiring, sooner or later, you will see a fulfillment of what Paul said in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Now, you may be here for the first time. You stumbled in the providence of God on our broadcast. Steve sent me an email this week. A lady from the United Kingdom stumbled on friend day, listened and became a Christian and wanted us to know. And you may be on our broadcast today and in God's providence, you are listening. You may be on one of our campuses. You may be in this auditorium or the adjacent one. And you're not absolutely sure that if this were your last day on earth, that heaven is your home. You can be. If you will call upon the name of Christ, he will save you today. If you admit that your sin is offensive, that it needs to be forgiven and changed, and put your faith where God put your sin on Christ, the one who died and was raised for you, he will save you instantly. He will give you the gift of God, which is eternal life. But if you are saved, don't go to heaven empty-handed. In fact, why don't you ask God not to let this year conclude empty-handed? Let him use you. Our Father, we are so thankful for your incredible grace that you have shown us in Christ Jesus. We want to be an obedient people, a yielded people. We don't want to be like the church at Laodicea that was complacent and lukewarm and unusable. We certainly don't want to be a complicit church like some of the churches in the Revelation who looked the other way and allowed sin without ever speaking against it in their own midst. We want to be a courageous church and courageous people that make up that church that will stand for truth no matter what it costs us who will speak up for what is right and true. You said your law is like a schoolmaster to lead people to Christ. Thank you that when we hold up the truth, people are convicted of their sin just as we were. And those hearts that are soft will look to you for the forgiveness that you've provided through your son. 
So help us to excel even more in these three areas that we've discussed. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his honor and glory. Amen. To listen again to today's message, Share What You Believe, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. Remember that you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program Share What You Believe, 020. Remember, you can support the ministry of Search the Scriptures by calling or you can give online at searchthescriptures.org. Your generous donation plays an important role in providing biblical teaching and spreading the gospel. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to search the scriptures.